don't know if you would mind just opening with me to your Bible in, in, in Romans 9. Sorry, I'm, if I'm sounding a bit like I'm in a, in a bottle, it's because I, I had flu. And uh, <laughs> I didn't have the bottle. I had a bit of flu, so I'm actually a bit, I'm recovering. Uh, yeah, I know what I felt like. I, let me just give a, give a call to Rory and, and say I can't preach. But then I realized that I've never, I've never heard of a, of a speech by, by, by an authority that is actually postponed because the guy had flu. <laughs> and we are here to speak about the word of God, so I'm sure that because I've never heard of any royalty postponed their speeches because of flu, I felt like I can't, I've got no excuse to actually say I'm going to preach next week because I've got flu. We read in Romans 9 and uh, from verse 6, it is not as though God's word had failed. And we've been singing, he won't fail, he won't fail, he won't fail. It is not as though God's words had failed. For not all who are descended from Israel are Israel. Nor because they are his descendants are they all Abraham's children. On the contrary, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. In other words, it is not the natural children who are, who are God's children, but it is the children of the promise who are regarded as Abraham's offspring. For this was how the promise was stated. At the appointed time, I will return and Sarah will have a son. Not, all that, not only that, but Rebekah's children had one and the same father, our father Isaac. Yet before the twins were born and had done anything good or bad, in order that God's purpose in election might, be, might stand, not by works, but by him who calls, she was told, the older will serve the, young, the younger, just as it is written, Jacob I loved and Esau I hated. What then shall we say? Is God unjust? Will he fail? No, not at all. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I'll have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I'll have compassion. It does not therefore depend on man's desire or effort, but on God's mercy. I will have mercy on whom I'll have mercy, compassion on whom I'll have compassion. You know, we can go into Romans 9, 10, and 11. We can study the whole year, but we will still come out of the end of it with a thousand questions. It's one of the parts of Scripture that is so difficult to understand. We will always have a thousand questions to ask after we've studied it. In fact, for me, it will probably be a thousand and one question because I was in KZN among the Zulu people for quite some time. And, and they kept on telling us that Isizulu, Isizulu, Isizulu is the language of heaven. And I understood that because Zulu means heaven. Isibakabaka is the sky, but actually Zulu means heaven. It's a language of heaven. And then we moved to, to, to Pretoria. We met another great people. And they're telling us that Afrikaans is the heresital. <laughs> So when I get to heaven, as if I didn't have many questions, I'll have another question to ask God. Which one was it? Was it Zulu or was it Afrikaans? You know, to, to, to just ex explain the richness that we find in Romans 9, 10, 11, I'll tell you a story. There's this asteroid that they've discovered. It's called P2. 
Psyche 16. To put everything into context, there's about 35,000 tons of gold as, as the world God's, uh, gold reserve. And if you take 64 million US dollars per ton, you multiply that. So the reserve of gold in, around the world is about 2.2 trillion dollars. That's what goes around. I mean, but then, if you compare to what they are finding on Psyche 16, 2.2 trillion US dollar is actually like crumbs. It's like crumbs falling from the table. To give you an idea, Psyche 16 has got about 8,000 quadrillion US dollars as amount of gold on it. Quadrillion. That is eight with 18 zeros. To give you an idea, if Elon Musk goes and manages to mine all that gold there, uh, he's got a bit of a problem with Pretoria, so we don't know if he's going to give us some of that. <laughs> but should, he, should them give us some of that, all of us will be billionaires. All of us, eight billion people on the face of this earth actually are going to be billionaires. That's how much gold God has got in store somewhere else. But you know what? We have been living on the crumbs. And we've been fine, actually. Nobody has missed the gold on Psyche 16. We've actually been fine. We've been living on the crumbs. All, all the wealth that goes around the, the world today is actually 2.2 trillion. And we've been fine with that. There's, actually, there's never been a time where like, people have died of hunger, like the, the whole country died of hunger or anything. We've been fine. So if we could just share that 2.2 trillion, we'll actually be fine. And that's, what, that's a picture of, of Romans 9, 10, and 11. Is that the little bit that we can glean out of Romans 9, 10, and 11 will actually be fine. Beautiful. We don't need to go out there and get all the knowledge out of it, but the little bit. If we could just apply the little bit that we can glean out of it, we'll actually be fine. And that's what we're going to try and do today. You know, we're going to talk about election because... That's a confusion that is around Romans 9, 10, and 11. Election or selection. Why does God select? Why does God have mercy on some and not having mercy on others? We're not going to answer that, but we're at least going to try. We'll glean a little bit, some crumbs, and we'll try and survive and actually do fine on that. You know, election, when you go into the Bible dictionary, is the act of choosing by God or God picking individuals out of a group or a group of individuals out of a bigger group, group of nations out of a bigger nation, for the purpose and the destiny of his own appointment. So God elects for his purpose. He doesn't elect for us, he elects for himself. In fact, when the Bible writers are using the word election, they always use it in a reflective overtone. Basically, somebody doing something for oneself. Somebody doing something for their own good, not for anybody else, but for themselves. That's what election means. It's like washing oneself. You do the washing, but actually you're washing for your own good. Wow. Washing oneself. We have a, my daughter when she was, she, was, she was young. She used to say, don't dis disrupt me. Leave me my lawn. <laughs> Basically, you leave me my, myself for myself, not 
not myself for you, but myself for myself. And that's how God elects. He chooses people for himself, for his purpose, for his purpose. And Paul starts by saying, not all are Abraham's children. I mean, not, Abraham, not all Abraham's children are actually children of the promise. Paul is actually starting with an easier example. Because he's talking about Isaac and Ishmael. Sarah was barren. Sarah was barren. So all the pomegranates have actually withered. I'm trying to avoid falling into any booby trap. So she was barren. And Abraham was also barren. Because sometimes we tend, in our, in our patriarchal system, we're trying to look at a woman more than we look at a man. But in this case, God said, you're not going to be confused about this. Even Abraham was also barren. He was the guy that would rock up at the at at bride with, with a dry horse. <laughs> you know? And somehow, God chose that couple because he wanted to show that only his purpose was going to prevail. They had nothing good in them to offer. Therefore, God said, I'm going to choose you because you've got nothing good in you to offer. I'm choosing you for my purpose, to tell the rest of the world that only my purpose will prevail. It will be my promises that will be basically the foundation for the offspring to come in the world, for Jesus to come in the world. Not your own works. In fact, Abraham tried. He went around and then got a child by his own effort, which was Ishmael. But God was wanting to say, I'm going to use election here to show you that the only ways that I'm going to select is the ways that are from me. Amen. The ways of Isaac were actually the fruit of obedience to God. The ways of Isaac were the fruit of, of dependence on God. The ways of Isaac were the fruit of reliance on God. The ways of Ishmael were actually the fruit of reliance on man's self-ability. When we rely on ourselves, we are choosing the ways that God has rejected. When we rely on God, we are choosing the ways that God has selected or elected. We are called to rely on God and not to rely on ourselves. Even if we have abilities to mine gold from Psyche 16, we have to rely on God and not rely on ourselves. But then Paul goes on and says, you think that election only stops at Isaac and Ishmael, choosing the ways of God against the ways of man? Paul gives us even a more difficult example. He goes into the case of Rebecca and Isaac. And the Bible, you know, it's so interesting to say that they came from one father. But it wasn't just the father, because even the case of Isaac and Ishmael, it was the same father, but different mothers. But in this case, Paul is drawing our attention to the fact that it wasn't just one father, it was also one mother. There was no, I mean, there was no disobedience. It was Isaac and Rebekah. There was no maidservant involved. It was people that were actually lawfully married. But, but Paul says, even in that case, there is still election. Same family. We've obeyed God. 
It's not always because we've disobeyed God that God will choose to select the ways of obedience as opposed to the ways of disobedience. Even when we are obeying God, fully obeying Him, God still selects. God still selects. He comes and He select, selected Isaac. So He selected Jacob and He didn't select Esau. He says, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. But remember, this is in Romans. If you go back into Genesis 25, verse 22, the Bible tells us that there was a jostling into Rebekah's womb. I mean, we're talking about wombs here and prophecies in the womb of, of uh, Cheryl in this case. But there was a jostling into the womb of Rebekah. And she asked God, what is happening? And God said, there are actually two nations within you. Same womb, two nations. Before they had done anything wrong or bad, Paul is telling us, God had already selected. It was a selection that was independent from any will of man. God had already selected. Before they even came into the world, God selected. He chose Jacob. And he didn't choose Esau. We have to go into Luke. I think it is... Uh, Luke 14, 26, to understand that when the Bible says, you know, whoever wants to follow me must hate his father, his mother, his brother, sister, if you want to be my disciple. In this case, it's the same. Hating here was, was not actually saying that God hated Esau for no reason. All he was saying is that he loved Esau less than he loved Jacob. Just like the, the word of God is asking us to love God more than we love our parents. In fact, if we had to compare our love for God to our love for our parents or our brothers, our sisters, our friends, it should actually equate to almost hatred because we love God so much. When we compare our love for our parents, it will be as if we are, we are actually hating them. We are loving them less, so less compared to God that it's as if we are loving, we are actually hating them. And that's what God was saying. I will love Jacob and if you compare my love for Jacob to my love for Esau, it will appear as if I'm hating him. Why, why does God do that? I mean, he does that to avoid any confusion. That's my first point. And the second point, he does that to cause us to spur one another into loving God even more. We're going to look at he does that to avoid any confusion. Because if God had to love us the same all the time, or give us the same role all the time. It's like a movie cast. Can you imagine if everybody into a James Bond movie, everybody was James Bond? <laughs> Will you even sit through five minutes of such a movie? I know there's like Seven Delon here and all that. Can you imagine if that Seven Delon, everybody had the same role? Everybody was the husband. There would be no movie. Everybody was a wife. There would be no movie. God selects to avoid any confusion so that he can tell the story. Beautiful. There was one day I was, I was, I was at, at the front there uh, welcoming people coming to church as I enjoy doing. And then there was this girl that came and it was kind of five to nine. So I thought this person is probably feeling a bit uncomfortable. They're, they're arriving late at church. So let me try my best to actually make them feel comfortable by welcoming them. And as I started walking toward her, I realized that this woman looked like somebody that was 
that, that was actually in my prayer group. I wasn't leading the prayer group. I was part of a prayer group, and she was also part of a prayer group. And I thought, this woman looks exactly like the person that I pray with every Monday. But, but she was in a rush. So I thought, okay, let me make her comfortable. She's probably rushing because she's embarrassed that she's arriving at church late. So let me make her feel comfortable. So I went to her, and I, and I, said, I said, welcome. And, uh, you know, and I realized that she didn't, she didn't buy my welcome. She was still rushing. So, so I thought, let me make her comfortable. And then I, I said, you know what, you look, you look like Zaldi in my life group. And she, she looks at me and like confused. I'm like, you know, you know what, she's part of this church. You look so much like a Zaldi. And then she says, yeah, so many people have told me that before. But no, with no conviction. And then she came into, the life of, I mean, into church and the service went on. And then the following week, come, come to church. I think I was also a bit late. So I was rushing for my coffee. <laughs> Rushing for my coffee, I go to the coffee station, and, and, and then Izaldi was, was busy serving coffee. So I went to Izaldi, I'm like, Izaldi won't believe this. I saw somebody that looks just like you. I told her that, you know, there's somebody in our church that looks like you, and she told me everybody's story. And then the more I was telling the story, she felt, okay, no, let me just rescue this guy. Christian, it was actually me. <laughs> That's you saw. So that's, that's the risk of confusion. We don't, we don't want to be confused. When you, fi- you feel like you think that this one is Azaldi, 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 it will be so confusing. It's already so difficult to have your hand, your hand, your hand. Quavers, quavers, quavers. You know, it's so confusing. So God says, I'm actually going to help you out of that. I'm going to clear all the confusion. I'm going to select I will select Israel so that you are not confused where the Messiah will come from. He is from Israel. You can say whatever you want. Shembe in Zululand, Shembe is not Jesus. God selected Israel so that we will not be confused. God selected Nazareth so that Jesus will grow up there. He will be called a Nazarene. God selected Bethlehem in Judea, not Bethlehem in Free State. <laughs> Otherwise, we'll be confused. So he selected so that when we are tracing the Messiah, we would know that if that prophecy was fulfilled, the second one was fulfilled, the third one was fulfilled, this must be Jesus. Therefore, he couldn't select Jacob and Esau at the same time. It would be like selecting Israel and South Africa at the same time. It will cause confusion and people will reject our message that is so precious. Selection is there to avoid any confusion. I had, a, I had a picture that I wanted to show. I mean, the second picture, the first one, I think I spoke to it. There was a day where there's always somebody that is confused in any country. But there was a day where in the DRC, in the Democratic Republic of Congo, we were all confused. All of us, dear Makar. Our president, I couldn't find the photo because they probably hid it away because we were so confused. This is the only photo that I could find on the internet. So on the, I'll get confused left, right, so let me stand like this. On the left, that's the president. And then the lady in the middle is actually the first lady. And then the one on on the right is a twin sister. He was a widower for quite some time. 
And then he decided to remarry. So we were all waiting for his wedding. And on, on the day of his wedding, he rocked up with two women all dressed in white. <laughs> we were all confused. Just imagine what was going to happen. Apparently, it was something to, to do with culture and all that, so he rocked up. They were not all his wives. He was marrying one, Bobby, who was, was in the middle. The other one, I don't even know the name. She was just the, the twin sister that came on. It was so confusing. That's how we would have been confused if God didn't select one. He selected one, and it was Israel, so that they can play a role in bringing the Messiah. Like, like, like the president had to select one of the twins to be his wife. But did he reject the other? I mean, did he hate the other? No, he just loved her less. But she was still part of the story. One will be the mother to the children, but the other will be the aunt to the children. Aren't you blessed that you've got aunties in your family? Aren't you blessed that you've got people that are related to the family. There's a blessing that aunties will bring. They are part of the story to play a different role. It might not be the same role as the mother, but they have a role to play. And God selects in that way so that we can have different roles to play. But unfortunately, every time that God selects, we feel that he's rejecting us. When God selects Pete, I feel like he's rejecting me. Meanwhile, I should understand that God is selecting Pete to play a role. Because he's playing that role, I have to play a different role. Still in the story of God. I have to play a different role. Rebecca, Jacob, Esau, Isaac. They were supposed to understand that, but unfortunately did not. Whatever we are reading in the Bible is actually not a story. Because God had a story. We're going to ask him in heaven when we get there. A thousand and one question. One of the thousand questions. We're going to ask him, what was the story? How was it going to happen if these two brothers actually understood that we are going to play two different roles in ushering the Messiah? You know there are people that understood that. And one such person was actually Elizabeth. Elizabeth received a visit of Mary. And guess what happened? There was another type of a jostling in her, in her womb. In fact, it was a leaping. The baby inside Elizabeth leaped because she understood that Mary was going to play a bigger role than she was going to play in ushering the Messiah. John the Baptist leaped in, in his mother's womb because he understood that there would be a Messiah that was going to come. They would play different roles. They were brothers, they were relatives, almost like twins, relatives. But they accepted, John accepted that his role was going to be lower than the role of Jesus. In fact, he said in Luke 3, when people were confused, are you the Messiah? Are you the one? He said, no, I'm not the one. I wasn't born in Bethlehem. I didn't grow up in Nazareth. I'm not the one. Look at my genealogy. I'm not the one. The one that was selected from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all that. The one was, that was selected is actually the one that is coming after me. And guess what? He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. I'm only going to baptize you with water. 
baptism of repentance. He accepted his role. It was a lower role, baptism of repentance, but he accepted it and he played it well. When you go into, into, into Matthew 11, he had a bit of a wobble, like we, we all do. He had a bit of a wobble. He started sending his, his disciples. Go and ask Jesus, is he really the one that will play that bigger role? Is he really the one? Because now I'm in prison. Is he really the one? And Jesus says, go and tell him that the blind see, the lamb walk. Go and tell John. And then Jesus tell, tells a story after that. He says, there's nobody who's born of a woman that is greater than John the Baptist. Why? Because he accepted his role, lower role than Jesus, but still accepted it. He played it well. There's nobody that is greater than John the Baptist. But then Jesus carries on to say, but in the kingdom, there's nobody who's lesser than John the Baptist. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones says, Jesus is actually making reference to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He says, in the kingdom, we will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. But John the Baptist didn't have the privilege of being baptized with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we here are actually greater than John the Baptist. But you know what? This is where the selection of God is actually so wonderful because John the Baptist played a role. He had the revelation of the Holy Spirit and he, he himself didn't even benefit out of that revelation. He just played his role. 3CI, we're going to invent things that Pretoria, South Africa, the rest of the world will marvel at. We're going to invent things. We're going to come up with new ideas. But how we prepare to have those ideas out there, even if we are not going to benefit from them. Are we prepared to even mine gold from the universe out there, even if we are not going to benefit out of that very same gold that we're going to mine? Because that's where greatness comes from. Are we prepared to come up with ideas that are not really going to benefit us? Because the way of the world is, I will only do something if I can benefit out of it. But John the Baptist gave us the revelation of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and he himself didn't even benefit out of that. Selection of God is to avoid any confusion so that we can know that our roles are important. Even if that role is the lesser one. Are we prepared to serve God for the sake of God's stories, even if our name is actually not mentioned later? Selection of God is also to help us spur one another into loving God even more. Spurring one another with kind of a godly jealousy. I'll tell you a story. We had to change cars. And uh, I was driving this nice German car. I'm, I'm not going to advertise any <laughs> brand here. Uh, the only brand that we talk about is Land Cruiser and, and, and Land Rovers in this place. 
So I was driving this German car, enjoying my car, and then it came a time where I needed to, to sell my wife's car and, uh, and then uh, get another car. So, so we got this little Renault. It's a French car. Renault, I mean, don't say Renault. You know. <laughs> so, so romantic. And then you say Renault, I mean, what's romantic about that? <laughs> Renault, you know, it's like Renault. Romantic, you know. But then came a time where I think God was talking to me about laying my life for my wife. So I'm busy driving my German car and I kept hearing, lay your life down for your wife. So it meant she was going to take the German car and I was going to take the <laughs> Renault. So I was a bit sad, feeling like, you know, she's selected, I'm rejected. <laughs> So one day I'm coming from church, so I'm driving at Renault, I'm like, okay, anyway, where do you go in this thing? Just go home. <laughs> so I'm driving home, and somehow, feeling sorry for myself, I look in my rearview mirror, and I saw something that I've never seen before, but on YouTube. It was this car called the Rolls-Royce Cullinan. I'm like, where is this coming from, you know? In Pretoria, I mean, that, car, that guy came and parked next to me. I'm like, yo, I forgot about all my sorrows and everything. I'm looking at this Cullinan, Rolls-Royce Cullinan, named after a place close to Pretoria because of the diamond and all that. I mean, history going in through me and all that. And, and then I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take this moment. I will race this thing. From one robot to the next robot, we're going to see who's going to win. And then we took off. I think I was reversing. The guy was going forward. I accelerated. The more I was accelerating, the faster he was going. I think my, acceler my accelerator was actually working into his engine. And then all of a sudden, the guy stopped. I mean, it was still far. I still had to catch up, and then he stopped. And I'm wondering, why did he stop? And then eventually, I also stopped next to the guy. And then I asked myself, why did we actually stop? And in front of us, there was this guy, looks like a homeless person, actually stopped us. I'm like, since when? <laughs> this guy is driving a Rolls Royce Cullinan, and then you just come out of nowhere, and then you stop him. And I'm thinking, you know, then I realized, oh, Lord shedding. Oh, great. Lord shedding. And I'm, I sat there and I, and I thought, I've done civil engineering. We, we design traffic lights. Nowhere in my courses they say that the person can just jump into the middle of the street and actually stop other people. You know, you should maybe ask me for permission to show you how these traffic lights work. And, all, and I'm asking myself and then I realize, there I was thinking that I was rejected. The guy in a Rolls Royce was selected. And I forgot that there was somebody else who could have thought that he is rejected because there's somebody who's driving a Renault. And what was he doing? God's purpose. Because I, I don't know about you. Nowadays, when you get to a traffic light that is not functioning, I get nervous. More nervous than I, I get onto any highway. Because there's always this lady in a Porsche 
who looks like she has come from Sorbet and spent four hours, but doesn't know how a dysfunctional traffic light works. So I'll be like, you know what? Whenever a traffic light is not working, I'll be so nervous. I'm like, oh, no. Somebody's going to tell me, put me in my place again and all that. But here there was somebody who didn't consider himself rejected, but stood there and started stopping any Rolls-Royce, Cullinan, any Renault driven by engineers. He just stopped everybody. And I looked at that and I thought, sometime God will select to spur us into godly jealousy. I stood there and I thought, if somebody who's homeless accepts his conditions and serves God's purposes under the sun, who am I to start complaining? Whereas I've received the promises of God. Whereas I've received the tabernacle. Whereas I've received the patriarch. Whereas I have received the covenant. Sometimes we've received all that and we, we still think that we are not loved enough until somebody who could have considered themselves less loved comes and still love God and spurs us into godly jealousy. I'm going to, to, to end with this scripture and after that I'll, I'll just do something just to try and cement this message. That there was this lady in the Bible who said to Jesus, can you come and heal my son? And Jesus says, no, the blessings are only for God's children. The blessings are only for the selected one. The blessings are not for the dogs. In fact, Jesus said that. The blessings are not for the dogs, the non-selected one. But the woman said, even the dogs eat from the, the crumbs from the master's table. So she said, even though I'm not selected, I'm still going to rejoice, rejoice in my position, even though I'm eating just the crumbs. And that spurs us into loving God even more because we are selected through Jesus. We have received the promises. We have received the worship. We have received the temple. We have received the covenant. We have received the patriarchs. And even in, in the history of Israel, God is wanting us, who are just the dogs. We are not the selected one. We are not from the tribe of Jacob. He's wanting us, the Gentiles, to get to a place where we can spur the Jews into a love for God. You know, there's a story about my mom going to church. She had a stroke. Her name is Jacqueline. She had a stroke going to church, and I visited that church, and the pastor said, if only some of you who are walking could come to church like Jacqueline, I would be so happy. My mother was spurring that church into loving God even more so that they can believe that they were more blessed but she was less blessed. But she was coming to church. Thorsten. Where's my friend, Thorsten? Can you maybe just ask God to show me somebody in our church who walks with God? 
so that he can spur us into our walk with God. Could you maybe just come? This is somebody that walks with God. You might look at him and you think that he's less blessed. He's not selected. Could you maybe just go around there so that everybody can see the way that you walk with God and, be, and, and spur us. Not a Renault, not a Rolls Royce, but he walks with God. Can we, 3CI, accept our role and walk with God? In Jesus' name.